0: This is the In Focus podcast from The Hindu. Hello and welcome to The Hindu's In Focus podcast with me, Amit Barua, your host for this episode. The ghastly killing of six innocent coal miners and another nine civilians and a soldier on the 4th of December in the Mon district of Nagaland sent shockwaves through the northeast and the rest of the country. The clamor for the withdrawal of the Draconian Armed Forces Special Powers Act has grown, with the chief ministers of Nagaland and Meghalaya both allied to the BJP, demanding that the act be withdrawn. The Oting village incident also raises a question mark on the fate of the still-to-be-made-public 2015 framework agreement signed between Naga insurgent groups and the centre in the presence of Prime Minister Narendra Modi. Also in the spotlight is the state of the 1997 ceasefire between the center and the N.S.C.N.I.M., IM, the principal Naga insurgent group. Much will depend on how the Modi government acts to prosecute the soldiers responsible for the Oting killings. A change of tack on security policies that undermine the elected government and state police will also be under the scanner. My guest today to discuss this issue is Rahul Karmakar, the Hindus correspondent in the Northeast welcome to the in focus podcast rahul thank you so rahul tell us how big a setback is this uh, oting village incident
1: to peace in nagaland it is a major setback see since 1997 there's been an atmosphere of peace before that there used to be frequent clashes between the insurgent extremist groups and the armed forces but then that completely stopped except for one Small incident or two; otherwise, uh, there was a the rapport had been building up between the civilians and the uh, armed forces. So this is really going to affect it because Nagaland has always had this problem. I won't call it a problem; they have always had had this independence streak about them. The the friendship that I was building up for a long time, the you know the good work. So this has been affected. And this will, uh, you know, it will take a long time to mend it. Rahul, an obvious question
0: is the fate of the 2015 framework agreement or accord signed between the Naga insurgent groups and the Modi government. What happens to
1: that now? See, that was anyway heading nowhere because of two issues. One is the uh, Naga flag and the Naga constitution, or the Yezabo as they call it. The, according to the NSC and IM, Isaac Mujibar Fact group, they say that the framework agreement had, had a, you know, incorporates those. The government of India has agreed to give them the flag and the constitution, but the, the government of India does not a- agree to it. It is saying a different thing. The mm. agreement is also very nebulous. There's no clarity on what exactly it is. So, the thing is, uh, I've spoken to a lot of people out there including the leaders of the nagaho the apex tribal body the naga women's uh, organization so they have said that you know with this with this incident they they have always had the suspicion of, uh, about the armed forces but then after this incident they said that the, the government of india has sent a wrong sig- as a signal that they just don't care about what happens to the naga people and what happens to the peace process so i think it will take some time it will it will have some impact on it.
0: So you're saying that in any case, there had not been much progress in the peace talks. I think in Mm -hmm. one of your own pieces, you've written that uh, there have been some hundred rounds of talks in about uh, nearly a quarter of a century between the Mm -hmm. center and Naga insurgent groups, which hasn't yielded Mm -hmm. much. So so you're saying that that peace process was already in jeopardy and this incident will make it worse. Do I understand you correctly?
1: It was not exactly in jeopardy, but then it was heading nowhere because so there was no clarity on it. If it doesn't make it any worse, I think it will complicate matters because after 2015, the government also started to talk with the other rival groups of the NSC and IM was the first group that was in talks process. So there's another group called the NNPGs, which has around six or seven groups, which are all factions of the NSCN Kaplan group. Which is based basically in Myanmar, so they signed an agreed position. It's called the agreed position in 2017. So the thing is, it's all the you know the other groups. They are not uh, you know as demanding as the NSC and I.M. Basically, the agreement with them is a bit softer. is seen as softer than that with the uh, NSC and I.M. So there's a lot of confusion in that.
0: Right. So, it also appears that relations between the center state governments in the Northeast and some of the insurgent groups have a very transactional nature. So, mm-hmm. has that helped in keeping the peace in a sense uh, in um, Nagaland and, and other Northeastern states? The status quo that has continued what you spoke about, about peace existing without progress towards an eventual accord, and that is mm-hmm. a, in in the nature of a transactional arrangement between the center, the insurgent groups. So, does this mm-hmm. mean that uh, had had say this incident not happened, would that just mm-hmm. have uh, continued in the way it was continuing without uh, an eventual peace accord?
1: Yes, absolutely. It sh- it would have continued because people have uh, begun to get very tired out there. They're very skeptical. If you go to the to anywhere in Nagaland, the people person on the ground anywhere in the shop in office they just you know shrug the shoulders they say this is a never ending process it's they they are they don't believe that it will see the light of the day so so
0: what happens now i mean uh, we we have had this incident so what can mm-hmm. the governments both at the center and at the state do to reassure the people of nagaland and the rest of the northeast that the people responsible for this Oating incident will be prosecuted what what can be done now
1: the government has to open up to them to the people and to the various organizations out there so one thing uh, which the uh, renewed demand has come is that it, it can uh, try to do something about the armed forces special powers act because they people out there say that it it can be done when the government has uh, center has already repealed the three farm laws they can as well do it because this has not helped i'll give you the example of meghalaya meghalaya has armed forces powers uh, this afspa was never implemented in meghalaya but then insurgency out there there was meghalaya also had its share of militancy but the police out there had control that so the Insurgency out there, so it can be tackled tackled by the lo- without this uh, armed forces special powers. So this is one signal they can give by doing something about the act, whether it, they lift it from Nagaland or whether they scrap it altogether. So it's it's the government's prerogative. And the other thing is the other demand from the uh, various organizations that has come up is to let them show, let the people know that they have they are really taking action against the soldiers who were responsible for this for this. Bosched ambush. They have already set a deadline of 30 days. Uh, the Konyak Union, which is the apex body of the Konyak uh, Naga people, who are the dominant tribe in Mon district. And what is this deadline? 30 days from the day of funeral. That was on Monday, December 6. Right. For the benefit of our listeners,
0: Rahul, can you tell us what is the Armed Forces Special Powers Act and in which states of the Northeast is it currently applicable?
1: The Armed Forces Special Powers Act you know, lets the armed forces arrest a person. Uh, this act was framed in 1958. It gives the armed forces the power to maintain public order in disturbed areas. So it, it gives the armed forces the authority to use force or even open fire after warning a person found to be in contravention of the law. AFSPA, as it is called, also lets the armed forces arrest a person and enter or search premises without a warrant and ban the possession of firearms if reasonable suspicion act exists. in the northeast you know the armed forces uh, special power act is currently in force in assam in nagaland manipur tirap changlang and longding districts of arunachal tirap changlang longding districts are are in the southern part of arunachal which has also had its share of uh, insurgency because of the uh, you know naga groups and apart from those three districts there are a- areas under eight police stations in Arunachal bordering Assam where this Armed Forces Act is applicable. And I'll I'll tell you one thing. This Mon district, Bond district and a- adjoining Longding district in Arunachal has, has had a history of extremist problems. And this is also the this has also, also been the route of all these militant organizations to move to and from Myanmar, whether it's the Alpha or the NDFB. Of Assam or any other organization, they have used those routes because it's it's a very dense area. It's a very difficult area to patrol, to monitor. It's full of jungles, hills. So this is the this has always been the route that they travel.
0: And uh, this Armed Forces Special Powers Act, it operates in conjunction with the Disturbed Areas Act, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. So, this is like a twin operational um, sort of facility for uh, the central security forces that are uh, operating Mm -hmm. in the northeast. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So, coming uh, to this uh, incident and to the Armed Forces Special Powers Act, we have seen in the past Mm -hmm. also there have been major incidents, uh, you know, involving civilian killings in the northeast, in Manipur, in other states. And then, Mm -hmm. of course, there is a clamor for um, the withdrawal or the repeal of the Armed Forces Special Powers Act. Mm -hmm. This time also we have seen uh, two chief ministers, uh, both of Nagaland and uh, of Meghalaya, demanding the withdrawal of the Mm -hmm. Armed Forces Special Powers Act. So do you feel that this time there could be any fresh momentum or uh, will will people forget again that this is an act uh, which has perhaps no place in, in a state where there is an elected government and a state
1: police? This demand has been there off and on. So whenever there's certain incident, you know, people raise their voices, but then they tend to forget. But this time, I have a feeling that it could be a, a more serious thing because both the chief ministers are allies of the BJP, which rules the centre. And also some, some leaders of BJP are also raising this demand in Nagaland. So I think there is some chan- there are some chances of the centre acting upon it. People are at least hoping so.
0: Right you've been reporting uh, the last couple of days uh, in some detail for the hindu about the incident itself and what happened i mean uh, Mm -hmm. on the basis of what your sources and officials have told you can you give us some sense of what actually happened um, uh, on the 4th of december on saturday
1: i don't need to say anything because there's a report The ground report by the Director General of Police Nagaland, Mr. T. John Longkumer and the Nagaland Commissioner, Sir Rovila Moore, their ground report says the elite forces, that is 21 Para para Special Force that is based in Assam, they had opened fire on the coal miners at random. I'm quoting from their report, apparently without any attempt for identification of the people involved. They also said, the coal miners were returning home from a pickup truck. were ambushed and killed by the security forces at random. And later, what happened is, on the other hand, the armed forces issued a statement saying that they had. It was a case of mistaken identity because they they had owned up to the mistake. They said they had credible inter- intelligence about the movement of some extremists or cadres uh, of the N.S.C.N. Kaplan Yung Ong. Yung Ong is the, is now uh, Kaplang after the death of Kaplang, Yung Ong took over the organization. So it's named after Yung Ong, Kaplang YA, it's called KYA. So uh, armed forces had uh, the information about certain movement of these militants. That's what they said. And uh, what they also claimed is that uh, according to the information they had, these people were traveling in the, in the, Vehicle of the same make and of the same color, and they were asked to stop. They did not, so they fired. But you know, the report, the government report, has found fault in that, and uh, because uh, so this report you said said has been prepared by the
0: the the director general of police of Nagaland.
1: Yes, correct. And the commissioner.
0: Okay, and this report has been sent to the state
1: government. Uh, Would that also be correct? Yes, it has been sent to the state government.
0: Okay. Any other details, Rahul, from the uh, state government report uh, that you can share with us?
1: So this this is a very long report. Uh, this report also says that uh, after these people were shot, villagers nearby heard the gunshots and came to that spot. Uh, because, see, people usually, in the, it's very natural for uh, many tribal people in the villages in the northeast, whether it's Karunachal or Nagaland or Manipur, to carry a matchet with them. So they already had, people came there and then they, when they heard the gunshots, I'm quoting the report, they they went to the spot with apprehension as the individuals did not return home from work. When the villagers reached the spot, the security personnel were trying to hide the bodies of the six villagers. See, there were six villagers. These were the coal miners who had six out of eight people who were coming by the vehicle that was attacked by the, uh, uh, upon which the armed forces uh, uh, opened fire. So the bodies, those six were by, by wrapping and loading them in a Tata mobile truck, apparently with the intention of taking the bodies to the base camp. So on finding the bodies in the Tata mobile under a tarpaulin, violence broke out between the villagers and the security person, personnel, and the irate villagers burned three vehicles belong to the security personnel. And in the melee, the troops again opened fire on the villagers, which led to the of, death of seven more villagers. So this is the report, right? This report also um, had the uh, resultant violence on the, the, on December five. This was the firing was on December four. The report also says about the indiscriminate firing on the second day. There's another line on the on the day of the incident. The report quotes eyewitnesses saying that the security forces opened fire indiscriminately as they fled from the scene towards assam because this, this special unit had come from assam they had they were going back to assam and they were attacked and one soldier died in that many even a, a commanding officer was also injured he is in the icu apparently and uh, seven, at least seven other soldiers were also injured so they they, they went back towards assam because so that place coating is about uh, maybe around it takes around I maybe mean, an hour or so to the to the Assam border from from that
0: place. All right. So uh, as you uh, as you show that clearly there is a discrepancy in what uh, the state government officials are saying and uh, army version of what uh, might have happened. So mm-hmm. how is this contradiction going to be resolved? I mean, this is going to be one of the major issues now uh, which need to be resolved. I would imagine. The
1: there's only way out. I think. They have to discuss it. The armed forces, the home ministry, uh, the defense ministry, I think they all have to get together to, uh, with the Anagaru government to sort, sort this out. Right. Thank you so much, Rahul
0: Karmakat, for talking to the Hindus In Focus podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify.